Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Born Moguls Podcast, where we help men, we are here, become more (laughs) effective, exceptional, and extraordinary, and we speak about the 6F method, the pillars, family, faith, fitness, fashion, focus, finance, and finance, that's the last one, and today we have a man of, I would say he's multifaceted, he has a few different of the pillars, but we're going to speak about faith, family, finance in particular, we have one of my great brothers here kevin wiggins he is a a husband he's a father a man of faith he's a former collegiate athlete uh he's an entrepreneur how you doing bro good man thanks for having me here man hey welcome brother welcome 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 lamont how you feeling i'm feeling good man i'm feeling good good, bro like I, i like i like the way the podcast is going we got what four or five episodes in Mm -hmm. um it, bro, I, I love the feedback. I love what we got going on here, man. So I'm yeah, excited. We've had some great feedback, but I mean, I think that's based upon like we've had great guests so far. Yeah, right? yeah, so yeah. it's like you know, I'm just kind of I'm just kind of here, but everybody else is like they're giving us such great knowledge. And yeah. today we have a very very spectacular man. I mean, I respect a whole lot. I mean, I love very very much. And I'm looking to digging into his story. Yeah, and just speaking to him about several different things. So. Kevin, I want to talk about being a, a black father. I want to talk about being an entrepreneur, about being a husband. I want to talk about your background, about some experiences you had as a child and you having a very, very present father and how that's affected you as a man and how you father your child now. So let's get into it, man. Let's so, get into it. Yeah, let's yeah, let, take us back to the young Kevin, right? And I got to call him Kevin right now because we're being professional. (laughs) Because I know him as as something else. I I know it's something else. No, but you know, because he is my brother in Kappa Alpha, South Fraternity Incorporated. And so we go back uh, almost 10 years now, coming up this year. So, uh, you know, this is a man that I I met when I was 20 years old, I think. And we joined together. And, uh, you know. I love him very much, man. But I, I gotta call. I gotta call him Kevin or Mister Wiggins on the right, podcast. There we go, there we go <laughs> man. Mister Wiggins, man. That's his dad. <laughs> Mister Wiggins is dad. Yeah, right, right. Right, Russell, take us back to your childhood. Where are you from? So uh, originally, I'm from Newport News. Uh, Shout out, bad news. Yes, sir. So uh, I actually grew up in a military home. Father mm-hmm. was uh, in the army for 22 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was born in Colorado, moved out here. Um, and then, you know, fortunately I didn't have to have the life of moving around as a military child. I got you. you. So that was a great benefit, um, you know, establishing relationships, so on and so forth down in Newport news. Um, but yeah, so I grew up majority, I would say I was out here since I was like three, two or three years old. Okay. Uh, okay, okay. Um, so yeah, so Newport news is pretty much all I know. So Um, you don't know much of Colorado? Nah, not at all. I want to get back out there, but yeah, that was, that was like. That's the destination that's, spot for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Colorado. Yeah. yeah, Colorado. I'm trying to I'm trying to get there later on in life. Later Probably on. Have like for a sure. second I heard there. I heard it's beautiful out there. Yeah. So. We got a few I guess a couple of brothers out there. Well Yeah. Yeah. Justin's yeah. still out there, uh-huh. I think. Uh so we got one out there still. Yeah. So that's what's yeah. up, man. Born and raised in Newport News, basically. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So um, you know what I'm saying? Went to uh, school all down in Newport News, uh element elementary through high school. Um and then you know, I, most of my life, I well, I wouldn't say most, like half of my life lived on base. Um, okay. So like I was saying, part of the military home, my dad was in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom, you know, she was um, a spouse in the military. So if you don't know anything about being a spouse in the military, you really can't have those jobs that 
are concrete because the yeah. military can say, yeah. you know, you got to go at any time. So yeah. growing up, you know, um, I would say, you know, I had a really good childhood. Um, even if we struggled, my parents did a great job at, you know, not making, letting me and my sister see Kinda it. Kind of concealing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's I, good stuff, You know, I, I remember my parents, of course, um, I remember my parents, both of them working two jobs, but at the time I didn't, you know, didn't comprehend register. all of that yeah. that was yeah. going on. So, you know, um, they provided for us, you know, I'm, I'm blessed and thankful for that. Um, Real and, quick. I'm sorry. So for, for perspective for people who aren't from Virginia, uh-huh. Newport News, we got Allen Iverson, Michael Vick. Vick. Mm-hmm. Um, we got Alonzo Mornings from Chesapeake, but yeah. it's only 20, 30 minutes away. Yeah, we got Ronald yeah. Curry. Ronald Curry. That's right, Ronald Curry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, Pernell Whitaker, who was Pernell a very, Whitaker, very yeah. um, legendary boxer. Yeah, yeah, so we got some talent in VA, man. We got yeah, some talent, especially in this, in the 757. Seven. Yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so growing up with your father, who was he a career military man? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So he joined the military straight out of high school okay. at 18. Um, you know, met my mom um, a few years after that down in North Carolina when he was stationed there. Mm-hmm. Um, so they did a lot of bouncing around. Um, like I said, pretty much they went from – uh, where my dad's from originally in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh-huh. Um, then went to North Carolina. They've been to Germany. They've been to, you know, Colorado, so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, grew up, uh, you know, a good amount of my time in Newport news. Uh, dad was in the military majority of that time. Once he retired in I think like 2004, we moved off base. Um, so then that's when I kind of got a, a taste of the life of the civilian life, as I like mm. to call it, you know, because uh-huh. um, before then, all I really knew was that military lifestyle, um, you know, being on base. And, so we all at four uses. Yeah. Four uses. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's what joint base Langley yeah. Eustis now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So after we moved off there, that was kind of like a, a culture shock a little bit. Yeah. Um, because when you're on base, you're around a certain group of people. Obviously everybody's mm-hmm. in the military. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So everybody's accustomed to that type of living or that type of upbringing. Um, but when you move off base, you know, you got people from all over um, and it's a melting pot, especially in Newport news. As Newport you know. news is different. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's people from all over. So um, that was definitely, you know, a culture shock, but you know, I think my upbringing also helped me with that um, to be able to, because I went to the boys and girls club and so on okay. and so forth. Yeah. So, that helped a lot with um, being able to navigate that. Was your father, because I think the sense of uh, military male typically is like they're very, very strict. Did you have a strict father? Uh, I wouldn't say strict. I would say structured. Structured. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So, um, structured, it, not strict. Okay. Lived in a structured household. Um, you know, it was it was what was expected from you. Um, yeah. And I guess if you... You can correlate that to the military, but I think you can correlate that to life. You to know? life, okay. Um, you put in expectations and what you expect to be done or a way to do it. You know, in the military, they have structure down to the T. You know, you're yeah, waking yeah. up every day, going to PT, then you're yep. coming back, you're going to your job, you have certain things to do, certain goals to make. You know, with me actually working with the government and um, for the federal government, you know, I kind of see that as well, even from the civilian side, just how they move which is different from, you know, how you do your job. So, yeah. so is that what you do now? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, I work, I, so I work for DOD now. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah. contracts and acquisitions. Yeah. So, nice. um, but, you know, we work with a lot of military. So they want it when they want it, you know, and it has to be a certain way. So I think uh-huh. that's kind of the upbringing that I had. I wouldn't say it was strict, but it was like it was expected. Structured. Yeah, and it was structured. 
So, so as far as strict versus structured, like mm-hmm. what are some examples? Because most people, I, I know I grew up strict, meaning my mom said, bro, you can't do this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So were you given okay. freedom to do certain things? Yeah, yeah. So I think strict, when I think of, uh, you know, being in a strict household, it's a lot of no's, a lot of you can't go here, yeah. you can't do this, um, you know, things of that aspect. Whereas yeah. structured is... Um, you have guidelines to stay within. Uh, okay. Um, you know, uh, so like an operating procedure. Yeah. yeah. Operating okay. procedure. You okay. know, you, you get to, um, strict. I, I see as protected, you know, um, mm-hmm. not as protected as being like a father figure or parents protect yeah, you, but more so it's like keeping you up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like yeah. you're not going out there with them. Okay. So and so forth. Yeah. Granted, you know, I had those times too, but it, mm-hmm. it was more so like make your own mistakes and learn mm-hmm. from them, you know, as somebody that's growing up because, yeah. I know we've all seen, you know, when you get out into the real world, a lot of people that's lived in strict households. They or, wild out. Yeah. Like, you <laughs> they get that little out. taste of freedom, <laughs> man. That's right. It's over from there. So, yeah. Um, yeah. so, you know, with having that structure, of course, I was able to fall, but you knew that your parents were there, mm. you know what I'm saying, to to help you when you did fall in those times. Yep. Um, so, you know, I, I wouldn't say I was like the worst kid, but I wasn't the best kid either. You know, I, okay. I had my mistakes. Um, growing up, but you know, it was my parents there to guide me through and, you know, being present still, you know, it's a, it's a, a blessing that they were present to, you know, help me navigate those scenarios. So I'm sorry, no, can no, I ask no. you this? Mm-hmm. How's your relationship with your parents? Oh, it's great. Yeah. It's great. So, yeah, so that, yeah. that's one thing that I really noticed between a structured environment versus a strict environment mm-hmm. where the relationship of a parent with a strict environment probably it, it's either, it exists, but it's not as mm-hmm. as bountiful as somebody who had a structured environment. Because, like, I've noticed with my sons and my daughter, like, I give them the opportunity to make mistakes. And, like, that gives them the freedom to come back to me and right. tell me certain things that happened. Where when I made a mistake at my mom's house, I'm like, bro, she can't find out. You know what I mean? Like, I was, yeah. I was too scared to even let her know what I was doing. You know what I mean? So, no, I think I think that's good. But go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, so I just – I'm thinking about when you moved off – off base. How old were you when you moved off base? Uh, I was just starting middle school, so you know that okay. was a that was a, a peak time. You know, very pivotal yeah. time. Yeah, right. yeah. So, um, just started middle school. Actually, started a new middle school because um, I was in like the talented and gifted program. They mm-hmm. had that in Newport News. Um, yeah. So a lot of the friends that I grew up with going, you know, to elementary school, they were in another middle school. Okay. So I basically had to go to a new middle school in sixth grade. Um, I might have knew a few people because of, you know, outside sports and playing in rec league, so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, but I think I probably walked in there knowing maybe two people, mm. maybe three at the most. Yeah. So I had to make all new friends and kind of, um, you know, navigate my way through that. So, yeah, I asked that question because anybody that's like from this area, they know that Newport News is like kind of its own world. <laughs> right. So yeah. when you go from being on base and living there for several years to now that veil of protection is gone and you're exposed to the actual ecosystem of Newport news. Yeah. I think it's a culture shock. And so how'd you deal with that? Uh, I, you know, that's a great question. Um, I think I just had to pretty much navigate that myself, um, and kind of learn on my own, you know, especially in Mm -hmm. middle school. Um, and, but like I said, having that, those relationships through sports, Helped a lot, okay. You know, um, being on different teams and um, being 
in different programs. I pay I played AAU basketball since I was nine. So okay, you know everybody wasn't just from the military team. Uh, you know, or living on base. Um, you had people that were from downtown, or people that were from Williamsburg, or people mm-hmm. that were from you know across the water coming together on this melting pot like Newport News That's right. of a okay. basketball team. And at Boo Williams? Is that yeah, yeah. Playing? So okay. I, played, I played for Boo Williams. Um, at the Sportsplex? No, this was way before the Sportsplex. Yeah, oh, Way wow. before. Yeah, yeah, this was when Boo Williams just was a, a AAU organization. Oh, I got you. Um, yeah, okay. so I started playing, actually started playing, I want to say it was 10 and under, but I was 8. Okay. So, you yeah. know, uh-huh. with me being tall and everything yeah, like that, yeah. mm-hmm. that kind of helped me also – you know, develop in basketball, um, but developing relationships, you know, yeah. navigate and know how to intermingle with people, not e- only people of my age, but older you know, yeah. kids. So mm-hmm. all my life, I pretty much hung around the older kids. Okay. So I think that's kind of what helped me when I got in, you know, like the middle school, it was like, you know, I could navigate because I was used to being around. I wasn't yeah, yeah, yeah. the shy kid that was in the mm-hmm. corner. Yeah. You know, I, I was still talking, crack jokes and like to have fun and so on and so forth. Yeah. So instead of, you know, people sitting over there like, oh, there's the new kid pointing and stuff like that. It was kind of uh-huh. like, a, oh, yeah, come rock with us. You know, And saying? again, you were talented athletically and academically, too. Right. Right. So right. You, right. You had both things working for you. Mm-hmm. So at, at what age did you recognize that you were actually pretty good in basketball? Um. Uh, Honestly, it was just kind of at a young age, you know, mm-hmm. it was kind of like I, I, I just gravitated towards it. I always mm-hmm. I was with my dad at the gym when he used to go play pickup when, when you know, when, when I was younger. Um, so I was always, you know, trying to shoot at the goal and hanging around, you know, dribbling and stuff like that. So uh-huh. um, when I started playing rec league, it was just like from there, you know, it was up from there. Um, so. I was always taller than everybody, yeah. you know, so that was always <laughs> yeah, an advantage too, you know, that uh, kind of made, you know, of course, if you're, you're good at something, your confidence grows with it as well. Yeah, right. But like I said, grow, getting on that AAU team when I was eight, you know, everybody uh, else and everybody like else 10, is 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But seeing 10, that I right. could still, you know, play with them and, you know, hold my own. That's kind of when I was like, all right, well, you know, this is, this is something that we can do long time. Was basketball your first love? Uh, Sports wise. You know, I played a lot of sports growing up. I played basketball, baseball, football. So I, I didn't play soccer because I was never a runner. Um, uh, I, 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 <laughs> never a runner. Um, but actually, I loved baseball um, when I was younger. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was. A I've, pit- I've heard that a lot, bro. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've heard yeah. that a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So I was a pitcher. You know, like in rec league. Um, but you know, I never really. Took it to the next level as far as like middle yeah. school, high school, mm-hmm. but I love playing baseball when I was younger. Like, so let me let me ask you this, man: because of your height, does people push you into basketball? Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, I, I think that, yeah. I think now we're in a different time and a different space where it's kind of like open for everybody to uh-huh. kind of navigate and see what you want to do. Yeah. Uh, but back in that time, you know, you the tallest kid, yeah, either yeah, playing yeah. basketball, yeah, or football. Yeah. You're not really going to play baseball or soccer or, right. you know, yeah. even gymnastics for that sense. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that was the thing. Um, I think, you know, even with my dad playing basketball, it was like a um, uh, navigate towards basketball or football mm-hmm. type of thing. So did they ever force? Well, not not force, but did they ever kind of put in your head that your, your father's a successful military guy? Join the military. Nah, nah. You know, my dad always told me, especially, you know, being in the Army, he was saying, um, you know, 
you're free to do what you want to do, you know, yeah. make your life decisions. Mm-hmm. And he always told me, like, if you do join the military, don't join the Army. He was, like, <laughs> he was like, join, was like, join the, arm, join the uh, Air Force or the Navy. Hey, he my brother like, said the same yeah, thing. Is he in the Army? Yeah, yeah, he was yeah, stationed at Fort Houston. He's been at Fort Houston for almost 20 years. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 So, <laughs> you know, I think it's different people's perspectives or, you know, of course, their experience. But, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah my dad was like, nah, if you're going to do this, like, Air Force or Navy. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay. Don't That's do the up. Army. But, yeah, my dad, he wasn't real big on, like, go to the to the um, military. You know, it was, I think... They both of my parents they wanted bigger for me and my sister. You yeah. Know? yeah. Okay. Can I ask a question real quick? Mm-hmm. So with you being the new kid on the block, right, mm-hmm. and you not being shy and and wanting to interact with other kids, like how did that help you as an adult in regards to networking? That's a great question. Oh yeah, that's a really good question. Um, that honestly, it was kind of like the uh, start of being an extrovert. You mm. know, back then getting that experience. Um, you know, the friends that crack jokes and yeah. you got to have tough skin. Um, I mean, funny enough, I almost got expelled in middle school because of jokes that. So were you the, I could, could, bro, you're the big guy. Were you yeah. the bully? Nah, nah, uh, actually, <laughs> actually, no. Like that's, that's the, what, the opposite of what oh, okay, I was. Okay, like, okay, good, good. I think man. because I was tall and, uh, you know, back then I was in my, uh, what they used to call it, the husky days. The husky. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Remember the, uh, if you were husky, you wore hush puppies as a kid. <laughs> you from the hush puppies? No. <laughs> I did not wear hush puppies. Though. I ain't gonna hold you on that. I did not wear hush puppies. But, um, uh, yeah, so, you know, I was like the tallest kid. And like I said, today's world is different. And, you know, with me having a daughter now, is yeah. I talk to my wife about this all the time because she's tall, too. Mm-hmm. You know, with both of us growing up, she's two years. My uh, wife is two years younger than me. But in that time period and in that space, being tall wasn't, you know, it was like that was something to joke on or yeah, something to you were the yeah, odd man yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, man yeah, out. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. with me being tall and, you know, a, a little bit bigger than everybody, it was kind of like, well, let's find something to, you know, crack. Hey, look, bro, I ain't going to hold you, bro. When he walked in, I'm like, this, this nigga Goliath, bro. <laughs> I told you. Listen, I felt so like he, Daniel, bro. So, you know, he, you know uh, Sean's been here a, a number of times. Yeah, yeah, And, 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 I, and I was like, well, Sean was the power forward. Yeah. I was like, but Kevin is the center on the team. Yeah. So he's he's, t- <laughs> like, yo, he's yeah, taller than Sean. Yeah, yeah, I think I might got an inch or two on Sean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Fun, funny enough, I am uh, met Sean at AAU, so... Oh, oh, is that how y'all met? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So See, I knew each other before VSU. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's what's up, yeah, so yeah. That's, the, that's one of the benefits of AAU. But like I was saying, I mean, just being tall, um, you know, that was one of the things you just had to – it came with the territory. Yeah. So you had to have tough skin because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, somebody was going to find something to crack on you about. Yeah. And of course, you, as you know, growing up in Newport News, that's – Bro, that's all they do. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's all, all they do, do, bro. Anyway. Bro, Newport News is like a mini New York, bro. Because everybody from New York, they, they, they gravitate to Newport yeah, News, yep. and then all their kids yep. are here. Between Richmond and there. <laughs> but, like, it, are, I would a part of me is happy that I actually spent a few years of my life there, like, yeah, coming yeah, up. Because yeah. I was in Denby at one point, too. Okay, yeah. I went to Epps Elementary for a year. I went to Sedgeville. Oh, went to Epps. For, yeah, I went to Epps okay. for a year. Sedgeville yeah. for a year. Sedgeville was in Newport News, I believe. Then I went to Crittenden for a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, I bounced around, you know, a pretty Mind good you, amount. these are all the good places. Are those good places? I don't know. I don't know. Crittenden might be. Yeah, Crittenden might be. We had uniforms, though. We had uniforms, though. Yeah, the mixture between downtown and midtown. Yeah, I think I lived on 22nd Street when I went to Crittenden. 
third and twenty second is twenty. Yeah. Cause my grandma stayed on twenty third, so twenty seconds okay. was hood. Yeah, 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 was, yeah but yeah, uh, at yeah. Sedgefield, that was the Newsom Park era. Yeah, days. yeah. So I think so at, so at that point in time, they were trying to like uh, mix the two, mm-hmm. mix so the that two. it wasn't so hood in one area and yeah. then so affluent yeah. in another. Okay. They were trying to actually like bridge okay. the gap. Yeah, Pre- but you know, you know, it's yeah. it's a. Uh, when you grow up in those kind of areas, man, you know, you, you get tough skin, like you said. I'm great. Yeah, I'm grateful for yeah, it. So, oh, for yeah, sure. For sure. You know, so yeah. I think there's a positive to it. Uh, Kevin, I want to take us to your your high school career. Like, so you're in high school, you're playing basketball, you've, you know, gone away from baseball because obviously you're very likely, I'm sure, a dominant player in high school. Tell us about your high school basketball career and you being recruited by certain mm-hmm. schools and things like that. And how did you come to the decision to finally choose one school? Take us there. Yeah. So I played football um, for a little stint in high school too. But um, like I was explaining to you all earlier, uh, when I got those you know injuries and stuff like that, and it was kind of keeping me away from the basketball court because mm-hmm. I play AAU year round. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was more so like, a, mm, nah, I'm just going to stick to basketball because, you know, this yeah. is what I've always gravis- gravitated to. Mm-hmm. Um, but to go back to your question earlier, um, you know, how did I really know that I was, you know, the basketball was my 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 route or whatever like that. But um, I was always, like you said, I was kind of better than, you know, others when it mm-hmm. came to it. So at high mm-hmm. school, um, as a freshman, I was playing JV, but also playing varsity. Mm-hmm. So I was at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, wow. okay. Uh, Grant, I won't get any burn on varsity, but I'm practicing with varsity, you know what yeah, I'm saying? So they, yeah. they get you ready for, you know, for what's to come. Um, but yeah, so just be doing that, you know, I had that skill set that was, you know, better than, you know, some others at my age or, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. in my position or in the area and stuff like that. Um, but I also, with that coming kind of naturally, I really wasn't the one that was like, waking up at 6 a.m., putting in, you know, up 100 shots and so on and so forth. It's like I'm showing up to practice and, you know, of course I'm going to practice a little bit outside of it, but I didn't wasn't the one that had to put in, you know, hours and hours and hours okay. just to – So you just had a natural time. Yeah, yeah, like so it just kind of came naturally, okay. yeah. So I, I was a guy spending hours yeah, and hours yeah, and hours yeah, yeah. still <laughs> wasn't good at it. <laughs> Yeah, so it, it, yeah. so that's how I kind of knew that basketball was a sport too. Kinda, stuff, it kind of yeah. it kind of yeah. it, it was natural. Um, football okay. was where you know I wasn't the best on the field, mm-hmm. so that's when I was kind of like, uh, I'm not. And then you know back then they just see your height and see your size. Mm-hmm. They like going to offensive line. I'm like, exactly. bro, yeah, I'm yeah, playing yeah, yeah. football. Put me at tight end. Put me at linebacker. Right. End, yeah. Somewhere. Yeah, exactly. And obviously, as you see the world as it is now. That would have been ahead of their time, you know. They, yeah, they would have definitely, put uh, definitely. a six six, you know, two hundred pound kid at tight end. You know, who knows where I, I you may be I, in the NFL. Yeah, you I, may, I might you may be in the, knows, you may be in the NFL. Yeah, I'm here for a reason. That's but again, all so I'm like, that's right. I, I want to say so. There was something that um, I saw this thing on, on um, Instagram the other day where a guy was literally saying uh, he went to university, he did very well in university, and he was about to graduate, and they were like, well you know, have you thought about getting your master's? And he's like, no. And they asked him, why not? So he didn't have a reason. So he ended up getting his master's. And then during his master's program, they said, well, have you thought about getting your PhD? Uh He's like, no. And they said, why not? He's like, well, I don't have a good reason. So he ended up getting his PhD. 
the moral of the story was like, he never did anything with any of those degrees, but he was actually living for what other people other expected people. Right, him to right, do. Right, right. There you go. And I think a lot of times we, I fell into that trap, mm-hmm. but I told you with the church mm-hmm. and you know, a lot of times we don't really know where we're supposed to be in life. And we're trying to find the path that we're, we're trying to get other people to direct us where our path mm-hmm. is. And it's something that we got to figure out ourselves. And like with, you know, with you saying with, you know, football and stuff like that, like, it's difficult because as a kid, you really don't know what you're supposed to do. Right. You don't know what you're here right. on earth for, right? And you're listening to coaches. Yeah, you're so, listening like, to coaches, man. Yeah, Parents, you know, a lot of times you see, even today, you see parents living their dreams through their children. You yeah, know? Yep, yeah, living yeah. vicariously through them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you have, like you said, you have coaches trying to navigate you which way to go. I mean, I had coaches on the football team saying, we need to beef you up. We need to put, you know, some, mm. some pounds on you. But in my head, I'm like, well, you're not think you're just thinking about football. You're not thinking about me excelling about basketball. Yeah. basketball. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I put on 50 extra pounds, how am I going to get up and down this court? You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you're not saying, okay, well, let's get you stronger. You're just saying, like, we got to beef you up to be on this offense because it's all about their agenda, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, that's a great point that you that you you brought up. A lot of times, you see people that are trying to find their way, especially children. Um, and I'm sure we're going to get into that a little later. But you know you have to let them figure out their way, yeah. keep them on a path, you know, as, as you said earlier, but at the same time, let them find their way through life and decide what they want to do. Yeah. What it's they, almost what like, like, like the bowling do. analogy, right? You, you bowl, but sometimes you can have, uh, what is those? The guardrails. The guardrails, guard right? Yeah. So, okay. So I'm, I'm protecting you mm-hmm. from going into the gutter, but I'm not going to let you, I'm not gonna let you go yeah. all yeah. the way. Right. Yeah. So you can still bowl yourself, but I'm here as like a, a veil of protection. Yeah. Right. Okay. And it's bro. So I think, I think there's one thing that the, um, that's why I gravitate so much to Asian culture, right. And to anime and to, because like the thing is the path is the path, but you have to figure out what the path is for you. Mm. And like for a lot of, for a lot of us, we want somebody to tell us what our path is because it takes the responsibility off of us to go through the that's work true. to that, figure that out is, where our path that is. That is very bro. true. That's, and, you know, as a father, true. bro, it's, it's difficult because yeah. I'm like, I got 17-year-old twins. I got a 16-year-old son, a 15-year-old daughter. And it's like, all right, well, I can't figure out your path for you. And I understand, you know, through my life experiences where I, I don't want you to end up. I know where I don't want you to right. end up. But mm-hmm. there's certain things that if I didn't go, th- if my parents shielded me from certain things, I would not be the man I am today. Right. There's a Mm -hmm. certain amount of character building that has to happen in any, any great movie, any great TV show, any great book, you have to build character. Right. But in order to build the character, the character has to go through things. Right. And as a parent, our job really is a character arc, right? Yeah. It's a character arc. Yeah. And we think our job as a parent is to protect them from the things that they have to go through, but it's not, that's not the the case, right? Mm -hmm. They are the main character in their store. We're the supporting cast. So we're, they're Neo, I'm Morpheus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they have to go through the breakups. They got to go through the heartaches. They got to go through the, the freaking bullets being thrown at them so mm-hmm. they can dodge them in a way that I never w- was able to do, right? And as a parent, it's so difficult because it's like, when do I step in and when do I back off? And I think the masculine imperative is you have to be so connected to the masculine to be able to say, all right, well, I know how far you can go because as a as a mother, right, the nurturer is going to say, no, I don't want my baby to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as a masculine, it's like, all right, well, how much pain can he endure before he gives up? You know what I mean? And right. it's like. Yeah. That's a, a beautiful balance, too, though, right? It's, it's a beautiful balance, That is a beautiful balance, beautiful balance. Yeah. yeah. Because, like, if you don't have, if you, ha- if you have too much of one, you become weak. 
mm-hmm. you have too much of the other, you become hardened. Mm-hmm. And you have to mm-hmm. be able to find the good balance because mm-hmm. you don't want to be the guy who is capable of doing damage and is willing to do damage at any cost. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? You don't mm-hmm. want to be that guy. You want to be the guy that is capable of doing damage, but knowing he has the strength not to. So, that, I mean, it's, it's again, being mm-hmm. able to slit a man's throat and hold a baby in the same day. Well, there you go. There yeah. you go. All right, so Kevin, take us to you get through high school, you get recruited by several schools, you choose Virginia State University. Mm-hmm. Why do you choose to go to that university in particular? Because they was paying the bills. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There we go. Let's the most go. honest answer you can give. <laughs> nah, man. Let's uh, go. You know, growing up, my main thing was to go to school and not have my parents pay for it, you know, just mm-hmm. to get a scholarship. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I had a, a chance to go to William and Mary, um, but I would have had to pay for the first year and then pretty much, you know, get a scholarship the rest of the year. Um, okay. Even though still being a part of the basketball team, um, that wasn't, I mean, of course, playing D1, you know, was the ultimate goal. Mm, yeah. Um, but, you know, with weighing all the options, um, going on the visit to Virginia State, you know, um, the culture there, you know, mm-hmm. I, I really wasn't aware and fond of HBCUs growing up. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I knew what they were, but I didn't know the aspect of it. And I'm honestly growing up, you know, in Virginia, first time I heard about Virginia state was on college Hill, you know, when, yeah, when, that was when way it, back yeah, when, when, right? it, when it dropped and yeah, just kind of yeah. watching that from a perspective. Yeah. Um, my second introduction to them were, was when they came to our school and they were pretty much doing like admittance on site. Mm-hmm. Oh, dang, um, okay. Yeah, so they used to come mm-hmm. to Woodside, and um, you know, I can't even remember. They used to look at your transcript or not. I swear, but it, it was it was on site. Like they they would show up, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And you, you walk up, hey, I want to go to school. Yeah. Really? Okay, stamp. Yeah, nah, like, it's probably not easy, but it was more so like, hey, go get your transcript yeah, from the guidance counselor oh, like, wow. what's, what's, yeah. your, what's your what's your GPA look like? Two point oh. Okay, well, what do you do? All right. Yeah. Oh well, you know, if you apply, you're accepted. Yeah. It's like oh wow. So I'm seeing people with. 2.0s and lower getting accepted and I'm mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Bro, I'm never going to Virginia State like, <laughs> <laughs> like, nah this probably, is, bro, I was the guy 2.0 and lower <laughs> nah, so, I, mean, I mean like you said I, I, yeah. I was always good at school too you yeah. know? so I had uh, what like a 3.8 3.7 oh, wow. in high school so wow. you know school okay. came easy to me you know for the most part too well math um so, you know, I saw that and I was just kind of like, nah, this is not the school that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to. But, you know, God has a funny way of leading you to places where you're supposed to be. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times I found I found in my life that whenever I say I'm not doing something or like, nah, that'll never be me. I'm not going here. I'm not doing this. God is the one that tells me I'm gonna put you right there. Like, mm. Just to show you, yeah, just that show you're you. not really yeah, in yeah, control. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm not, I'm not going yeah. to Virginia State. Yeah. So, right. so let me ask you this: Virginia State. Have you always been like a man of faith, or was this something that you found earlier? Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. Later? Um, grew up in church. Okay. Uh, my grandfather was a pastor. Uh, okay. Um, so you know, I got you. we grew up in church. Um, mom always had us in church. Yeah. Uh, until you know we were able to drive, then it's like, all right, you get to church on your own because at the end of the day, mm-hmm. I, I'm not you know responsible for yeah you doing what you need to do to get yourself in heaven. You know, uh, my wife uh, she tells a story all the time when her mom told her and her brother when they were at a young age that you know um, I can't get you into heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. 
that's something that kind of sticks with me. And even though my mom never came out and said that, she exemplified that in the things that she was doing. Yeah. Of course. Hey, look, man. Paul said you had to work out your own soul salvation. Yeah. Man. Yeah. <laughs> hey, look, I, hey, bro, mm. I, I tell my mm. kids that all the time. I'm like, look, man, you look, you know what the standard yeah. is. If you ain't willing to meet the standard, look, that's on you. You know what I mean? Like it's, at this point in time, you know, when you get to a certain age, you have to learn how to um, accept the consequences for whatever decision it is that you make. Yeah. And one, one of the one of the verses that I love that I've lived by for the last 30 years, man, is Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Lean not into your own understanding, mm-hmm. but in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he should direct your paths. Exactly. And when yep. you when you lean on that, bro, like he'll take you places where you never thought you'd be exactly. and put you in places where you meet you, you rub shoulders with guys that you would never be in a position to right. rub shoulders with before. Right. You know what I mean, you know, with me just saying that I was never going to Virginia State, I would have never had the. um the, the network that I have, yeah, I would yeah. never, you know, had a brother like Dante that I yeah. came across, you know, I would have never met my wife, you know, because yeah. I probably would have been, even if I went to another school, you know, you don't meet the same people. I met my yeah. wife through a mutual friend, mm-hmm. you know, so that, that connection probably wouldn't have happened. And, you know, it might've, but you never know, but you know, you're on your design path for, mm-hmm. for a reason. Can we, can we, um, so again, I'm, I'm not, um, Based, based on my background, I'm not qualified to be in a room with you guys. But networking allows me to be in a room with you guys. How important is networking to like just the male masculine imperative, right? If you want to get far in life, like how important is networking to an individual? I mean, I think that's as a as a male, definitely. Um, you know, whether professionally, socially, um, networking, you you meet some of your greatest friends, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You you gain some of your greatest knowledge through networking. Yeah. Um, even, you know, being a part of Kappa, mm-hmm. um, you had to network to become a part of that realm. That's yeah. right. Um, you, it's not like you just wake up one day and say, okay, well, maybe, maybe some people do. Some people. If you got there are, yeah, there yeah, are yeah, few. Might, it, might, it might be a few <laughs> I'm going to retract that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but let's just say in college, you don't wake up undergrad and That's just right. say, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I want to join this organization and, you know, you're automatically in. Um, so networking, I think it gets you, um, you know, far in life. Yeah. Um, because it, it has to be men of value who recognize value. Yeah, that you it's have. a value exchange, right? Yeah. And again, you know, we're all in this room together right now. And we're here because we respect one another and there is value being exchanged here in conversation and lessons that are, that are being taught and Mm -hmm. discussed. And that's what networking is. Right. And so if you don't bring value to the table as a man, then no one's going to respect whatever you're going to bring because you don't bring anything. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So it has to be a value exchange. The funny thing is we were all in in Newport news at one time, right? We were, we all were all there. Yeah. (laughs) So I was there for a few years. Yeah. You were there for a number of years. Yeah. I I grew up there. Yeah. 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 And it's it's crazy because we, we all, we probably all know people from Newport news who are still in the same boat, Mm -hmm. the same position they were 20, 20 years ago. You know what I mean? And it's like, I think that's the, the most important thing is, transformation and being able to network with individuals who can get you to the point where you can excel. Right. Yeah, that's right. Because if you, even if you don't have much value to add, find a way to add value to the person that you see that you want to be at in life. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's a small things. And I know, um, for me it was, bro, if, if I saw somebody that was extremely successful, right. So there was this one guy I knew he owned a company and I I came to him and said, bro, let me just, bro, let me clean the toilets. 
just to figure out what it is that you do, bro. Like, let me work my way up. And, um, He's like, bro, you ain't got to do all that. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> watch too many movies. <laughs> you watching too many movies. <laughs> bro, I was watching that Will Smith movie yeah, with him yeah, and his Oh, yeah, that's right. Pursuit of Happiness. happiness that's right. But it's like, but you, ha- you, you got to be able to add some sort of value to, I mean, because everybody doesn't have vision, right? Mm-hmm. But if you are a man of vision, if you are a man who can see yourself where you want to be, that's the first part, right? But then the next part is action, being able to show whatever value that you can offer to the world or to the man or to the woman that's around you that can put you in a position to be better than where you are today. Um, and I think that's something that's lost in the art of man right now, right? It is lost. Yeah, it is lost because I where we are right now, it's almost like men want sympathy just for the experiences of being a man. Exactly. Right. Like being a man is, is very, very difficult in today's world. Yeah. And it's it's a sense of. I'm a victim now. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm a victim. Please help me. Right. I don't have much value to give you, but still give me something in return. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's where we are. And and that, that is the, the biggest fallacy that we can ever really believe in because as a man, you have got to have value in this world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Whether that's monetarily, physically, mentally provide something of value to your fellow man and female to be a man. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's what we are. Okay, so you get to college, you're playing basketball, mm-hmm. you're on scholarship, Kevin, mm-hmm. and at some point you decide you want to become a man of Kappa Alpha Psi. Yeah, why? Yeah, um, actually, I, I, um, uh, I think my cousin for that. I have an older cousin, so you know, going into college, I knew that's you know where I wanted to, mm-hmm. uh, the organization that I wanted to join, um, but. Uh, speaking to him more in depth um, as him being a Kappa man, it was, you know, the nail that I needed, you know, that was driven. I was like, okay, yeah, this is definitely what I want to do. Um, and I think, you know, that has a big play on the, uh, the representation on campus as well. You know, definitely, our, our chapter was a great representation on campus. They were doing great things. Um the men that you saw being a part of that chapter and of that organization, you know, they, they had value as you, yeah. you both said. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, of course, if you're on a campus that, you know, the organization you're interested in isn't really doing much or, you know, isn't really holding their weight, it might deter you from that. But, you know, just to see that uh, representation that they had on campus and what they were doing, that was, you know, also a, a factor into, you know, joining at the time that, I did. So, you know, as soon as I, as soon as I could, um, I didn't do it, um, you know, sophomore year, mm-hmm. you know, cause I was focused on basketball and things like that. But as soon as I knew that I was ready, you know, having that talk with my, uh, my cousin and, you know, and that, um, that push forward. Yep. And that's when I was like, okay, yeah, let's, let's go. It's go time. What do you think is, uh, the biggest thing or maybe it's multiple things you've gotten from joining that fraternity? Man, um, like you all said, it's the network that I've gained from it. Uh, the network, the fellowship, um, the memories, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of things that you, you learn joining an organization, especially, you know, the best fraternity in the land. Um, so just going through that, that, um, learning phase, you know, Mm -hmm. as we were in college, um, just being around those different type of brothers, um, you know, 
being able to network with them and, you know, get gems and um, have conversations with them. That was that was a big thing. So, you know, that's something that we can take with us, you know, until we're gone. That's right. Just you can be anywhere in the world and you can run across uh, uh, a fellow Kappa man, you know, a fellow brother. And you know that that love is already there. You know, they will help you. Um, So, you know, just knowing that you can navigate life like that um, and even just being able to navigate the professional realm. Uh-huh. You know, um, just having that previous experience through network. I think that's yeah. one of the biggest things of joining not only, you know, a fraternity, but pretty much any organization. You know, yeah. um, you can join an accounting organization. You can uh-huh. join, you know, a business professional organization. Yeah. But you gain that that sense of camaraderie by networking. Um, so I think that's that's like the yeah. main thing right there. Yeah. And I'm I'm thinking about what you're saying, what you're saying, too. And. I go to the local YMCA here, mm-hmm. right? And for about two or three months, every single morning I would go in like around, it's like 5.55 a.m. to 6.15 a.m. And there's always this older guy that's there working out. He's like in the 60s. Mm-hmm. But he's in very, very good shape. And we're all, we're constantly talking, just talking, 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 and I see him. I so, okay, all right, Mr. Thomas, I'll I'll see you soon, man. All right. And one day we're walking out at the same time. And he sees my license plate. Mm-hmm. He's like, wait, hold on, man. You're a brother? And I'm like, yeah, wait, wait. You you know, oh, you're part okay, of the fraternity okay. too? Yeah. And he had joined at Hampton University <laughs> like in the sixties. Yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, wow. Two months of us like just talking and having this synergy, yeah. we had no idea, but there was something that was natural there, right. right? And for whatever reason, we had a good relationship already, and it it just shows you that you know you can join an organization and you guys can connect without even knowing yeah. that you're really really connected, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's the beauty of that, right? Yeah, yeah, that, bro, sure, that's that's sure. that's beautiful, bro. Because like coming from somebody who has no organization, right? I, I've always understood the importance of brotherhood and it's something that I've always wanted to be a part of. Right. Mm-hmm. And then seeing you guys founder day, which, which happened, you know, not too long ago, a couple of days ago. Right. right. Yep. Yep. And then seeing you guys like come together and just the camaraderie between all of y'all and y'all sharing your experiences. And I'm like, I told my wife, I say, bro, I was honored to even witness that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just to be a part of it, just to witness like y'all going through that emotion and watching the probate and seeing that stuff like that. I said, bro, this is freaking amazing. You know what I mean? Like, I I think it's important. And, um, I didn't know anything about that before I met you. You It's it's a beautiful thing, man. And I want to make sure I, I really, really put this on record that it, it really, it really is a beautiful thing. And I know that the narrative out there can be negative sometimes. And, and perhaps people are, have become afraid of joining fraternities, but when I tell you it is a very, very beautiful experience, I think, you know, if my life was done over and I yeah. couldn't join Kappa, yeah. I don't think I could be the man that I am right now. Mm. All right. I needed this yeah. in my life at that time. So yeah. I encourage all men to join some organization. Well, like you said, whether it's a fraternity or even your professional organization, mm-hmm. join something that's bigger than you, become a part of it, meet people, shake hands, and these become your friends for life. I mean, like, it, it, you got to have this, man. Right. I mean, it can even be an organization at a church, you know? That too. Just, yeah, yeah. That's just too. having, you know, that that camaraderie amongst other brothers and amongst other yeah. men. Mm-hmm. 
you know, that takes, that helps, you know, that helps guide you through life. That helps, you know, being comfortable, you know, um, to bounce ideas and bounce experiences off of other, you never know what you might gain from somebody else by just being in those circles and, and, and the doors that might open from just being in that circle, you know, or being in those rooms. So I would definitely, like you said, encourage any man to, you know, if it's a organization that you were looking at joining or, you know, that you, um, had some interest in, you know, just go into those rooms. Yeah. You know, uh, I think too, man, cause like people frown upon competition for some reason, but with men, that's something that yeah. we need, bro. Like competition helps us get to yeah. the next stage in life. Right. Cause iron sharpens iron. So if we have, bro, if, if I didn't have the band of brothers that I have around me now, right? Like my motivation would be, it, it would still be there, but it would be minimal. It's right? fleeting, right? Yeah, it's, it's fleeting. It's hard to inspire yourself every day. Yeah, it is, man. It's it difficult, is, man. Yeah. And it's like, you know, when I have, uh, when, I, when I look at somebody like Andrew Tate and Tristan Tate and I see the brotherhood that they have, it's something that I aspire my kids to follow because, like, I got four boys. You know what I mean? Like, I want mm-hmm. them to be in a position where they can, like, know they have each other's back. Mm-hmm. But even if they don't have each other's back in that way, I know there are other organizations that they can join because I have some people who aren't blood to me that are closer to me than my right. blood. That's right. how it goes, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it goes. That's yeah. how it goes. Okay. Kevin. So you get through college, you finish playing basketball, you join the fraternity, you graduate and you get into real, into the real life or to the real world as I call it. And at this point, had you already met your wife? No. Uh. Uh-uh. So um, when I graduated, actually, um, I ended up moving back home. Uh, well, moved back home because I got accepted to grad school. Mm-hmm. So I was going to William and Mary for grad school. Um, you know, when I graduated, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted to, um, in a sense, I knew that I wanted to work with DOD, but it's so hard getting in that door, you mm-hmm. know, when that wasn't afforded to me at the time, I didn't really know what, you know, where I wanted to go, or what I wanted to do. So my next thing was, you know, let's apply for grad school and see if I get in. Yeah. And once I got in, it was like, okay, well, you know, um, I was also in, in, in a, in a limbo, uh, because I had one more year to play basketball. So yeah, I was right. in a limbo of returning back to school. Although Virginia state didn't have the, um, programs that I was looking into postgraduate, you know? Um, yeah. so I think the only thing that they had in the business realm was, uh, like an economics degree or mm-hmm. like a PMP, uh, project management, certification um and i wanted to get my mba so um you know i was kind of in limbo about that uh so and then like i said i graduated uh applied to grad school got accepted women married basically moved back home did that uh but you know honestly at that time that was and i um that was when i grew the most spiritually Mm. um that was a time that i found myself kind of spiraling because I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. Like you said, growing up, mm-hmm. it was um, structure. Like I mentioned earlier, being yeah. in a military household, it was structure. So, you know, elementary school, middle school, playing basketball, you know, a lot of times you see athletes, once that ball stuff bouncing, or, you know, once you can't put those uh, cleats on anymore, uh, they get lost. They don't yeah. know what to do. Um, you know, I've always understood that it's a certain time that you're going to have to hang up the shoes but I didn't know, and especially not having the next thing right there for me, um, when you're in that gray space, mm. you have to, that's when you have to find yourself. Um, so that's when, you know, I was kind of, you know, I was actually 
wilding out. I was drinking. Um, you know, I was just kind of like moving reckless. Um, and, you know, I just kind of had a coming to God. You know, um, I'm not proud of it, but um, what happened? Uh, when I graduated, we had gotten like an eviction. Um, mm. But, you know, we it never went through. But basically, they tried to tell us that we had to leave because. Is that I, William Murray? No, this was at Virginia, Virginia State. State. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So when we graduated, I had family actually that came through for. Uh, the graduation, mm-hmm. um, but they basically were saying that we were making too much. There was too much noise on the stairwell, which is crazy. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you can point that to a certain apartment, <laughs> yeah. but right. Anyway, long story short, that came about. Um, you know, I was out in Petersburg for the summer, um, so you know we was living it up. No, mm-hmm. no responsibilities. I had um, an internship with Walmart Distribution. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was it was money in the pocket, but it wasn't, you know, real life. Yeah. Um, yeah. so, you know, I was still kind of in between that space of being in college and being in the real world. Yeah. So I was just kind of moving reckless, doing whatever I wanted to do. Can I pause it real yeah, quick? Yeah. Because I think this is important. A lot of guys, cause you being on the sports teams, you add value, mm-hmm. right. And, mm-hmm. and coaches see your value, which means you are valuable to other men in right. your, in your life. Right. And I think a lot of men get to the point where when they lose sports, they feel like they lose value. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's, it's, it's extremely, and it's extremely difficult to transfer from there to there because now your value was in sports, but that's not, that's not actually your value. Your value right. is probably your work ethic. Mm-hmm. Your value was probably your leadership, your leadership mm-hmm. skills. There's certain things, but a lot of what I found in counseling, uh, I'm, not, I'm not a counselor, but what I found in counseling men is that they've always attributed their uh, athletic accomplishments to their value. Mm-hmm. But it's like, bro, you got way more value there than what you think. Yeah. Yeah. And they get lost in that. Yeah. And when they get to their, so if it doesn't, you know, if you don't find your way like you did, right, it carries on into their thirties and their forties mm-hmm. and their fifties. And a lot of times like they're like completely lost to where the only thing they want to do is like end it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like you said, I mean, I mean, like I said earlier, um, that's when I grew spiritually. And I, mm. I thank my parents for, you know, that background, that upbringing, because, you know, a lot of men that don't have that upbringing, yeah. or they may not know that way. They have nothing to lean back on. Exactly. You know? yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. so even though I was out here, you know, moving how I was moving, it didn't feel right. Mm. It didn't, you know, it didn't sit right with me. So, um, you know, that new year, um, it was like 2015, it was kind of like a turn and leaf for me. Um, you know, I wasn't doing great in grad school because I was, you know, it wasn't my focus. Um, so, you know, I pretty much cut off the outside world, uh, dove in heavy until my mom actually got me a Bible when I graduated, mm. which is, you know, profound that every time I think about it, because it was a Bible going into the real world. And my mm. mom was like, you're going to need mm. this. Yeah. Um, and it was a man's Bible. Mm. Um, so, you know, that was. I got to find that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll definitely. I'll, I I'll think that was one of you. my first ones, too. For real? The okay. man's Bible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, you know, that was, you know, when you get it, you're like, okay. You know, growing up, I'm like, I've been in church. I got it. Yeah. You know, so, But when you actually need it, it's like, wow, like. Moms have that intuition, but, mm-hmm. you know, throughout your life, you kind of see, like, a mother's intuition. Is, yeah. Bro, is, I, I, is look, I will say this, I, and this is probably a, uh, it's probably not a good take, <laughs> but the Bible is extremely sexist. It's extremely sexist. Like, it's pro, the Bible is pro-man. Man, yeah, yeah. Pro-masculinity, yeah, it pro-leadership. It's, it's 
pro man. It's not it's not anti female at all. It's not anti female at all in any case of the word, but it is pro male, right? Provide, it is, yes, you know, yes, bro. It is about accountability. Mm-hmm. It's about leadership. Mm-hmm. It's about obedience. It's about sacrifice. It's about everything a man in, encompasses in the real world, right? right? And these are certain things that we see our greatest leaders of the faith go through. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's a man. It's almost like a manuscript in regards to uh, what it is that, that that you need in life. That's why it's called the bait. What the acronym is: Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth, oh, because okay. it helps you out in certain things. And I, I tell anybody, man, like again, it's not a religious podcast, but bro, the Bible got so much stuff. Like it talks about a man pulling out. <laughs> <laughs> It talks about a man pulling out, bro. And it's it, but the crazy part is like there's so much information in regards to manhood mm-hmm. in the Bible. It's, it's so many. I mean, you you talk about David, you talk about Solomon, you talk about Abraham, you talk about a lot of the forefathers of the faith. These were masculine men mm-hmm. that were still going through male experiences. They were scared. They were fearful. You know what I mean? They were still going through everything that we go through. Like, if you look at Jesus, everything that he went through, but like he went through a situation where he had to go out. And he was he was so fearful that he started bleeding tears, bro. It's, it's it, you know I me mean? like it's it's I didn't want to get into tangent, but it's a masculine book. Bro. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So your mom gives you the man's Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, like I said, I, in that new year, that's kind of when I just like turned over new leaf, you know, yeah. um, mm-hmm. got into the word more reading my Bible, um, you know, focusing on school, uh, you know praying for my wife before I knew she was mm-hmm. my wife, but mm-hmm. you know, um, I was, you know, left the girls behind and just said, you know, God, when it's your time, when that woman is for me and when I'm in the right position, bring her to yeah. me, you know? There you go. Um, so, you know, fast forward, I think about like five or six months later, um, ended up seeing my wife on, uh, like I said, a mutual friend, mm-hmm. one of my best friends growing up, his girlfriend at the time, um, well, his fiance now, but, uh, my wife and her are uh, not line sisters, but they're uh, chapter chapter sisters. Chapter sisters yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So they cross uh-huh. at the same school. Okay. Um, so actually, you know, saw her on a page, like, and I just like just speaking in existence. I'm like, oh yeah, she she the one. Like, oh, yeah. you saying from a picture from that a you picture, saw? Yeah, yeah, from the picture I was without like, knowing any of her I traits. Didn't know nothing. Her, yeah. didn't know okay. Her anything? I just, really? Like, wow. That's okay. What I'm it's kind of uh-huh. like when yeah. you're in tune. Like, yeah. So the intuition. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just saw it. I was just wow. Like, yeah. That's crazy, man. Okay. I was like, I was like yeah. She. Yeah. So I, I, I used to joke with. Uh, my man's his uh his fiance and I was like, Yo, where my girl at? Like <laughs> Before you even met her. Yeah, before I even met her, my wife can't even believe me. I just be like, yo, like Yeah, yeah. She got, yeah, yeah. Like, yo, because I was like, you know, back then it's like, yo, put me on. Like That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's me. right. So that's why I told her, I'm like, yo, throw the live. She was like, All right, whatever. Like, so every time I see her, I'm like, yo, where my like what's up? Where my girl? Like Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, so we ended up meeting at a uh, at a probate um that year at Seeing you where she went to I school, think we went to did we yeah. Go to that I one? think we all went. There. We all went to that yeah. one. That's right. That's yeah, right. That's yeah. the one we all went to. Um, so that was my first time meeting her, and then um, you know we chopped it up. That's when group meets were big. You know, everybody mm-hmm. was in a group meet. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did a little flirting through the through the group hey. meet and stuff like that. And real quick, so most people talk about manifestation, right? That mm-hmm. is the real version. Nah, for real, that is the real, for real. version. Yeah, for real. yeah, and I hadn't even heard the story. Yeah, that's, so bro, like, that's this fine. is this is great, man. Okay, bro. So so like so we got a little connection there, right? So uh, we'll go to it later. But when I saw Shanae, 
Your current wife. Yeah. I said, yeah, yeah, that's her. That's my mm-hmm. wife. Mm-hmm. You said that. I said that. It's, bro, my first nope. time even seeing her. Was it like God told you? I saw her and I'm like, yeah, yeah I know. That's my yeah, wife. It was just like, you, and you yeah, didn't even think about it. It was just like yeah. second nature. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, where did you see her? She we was at work. Just at she, work? Yeah. She, okay. She, she, we were at work. I was already established in my job. She was coming through a training class. Mm-hmm. First time I ever saw her in life. I saw her. I'm like, hmm. I got it was it was a strong feeling yeah, and I'm like yeah, yo, facts. all right, boom, that's my wife. Mm. Oh. That's powerful, man. <laughs> hey, hey, that's hey, powerful. Which, I love it, man. Which makes sense as to why. You know, I said I said before the yeah. the Hosea Gomer experience, right? Okay, that whole story. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. okay. Well, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. So all, right, all, right, all right, so Kev, Kev, listen. So you you see her on social media and you're like, you know what? That's her. That's the one for me. Mm-hmm. You guys meet at the probate, yeah. and what do you say to her? Are you like, you know what? Listen, I saw you. I guess you can't say I saw you because that's kind of a. Right, you can't say that. Right? <laughs> no, like I said, this was this was. <laughs> what is it? I see and I won't. <laughs> <laughs> this was through a mutual friend, so it was uh-huh. like a you know. You knew that the connection was going to happen oh, one yeah, way yeah. or another. Okay, so at some point um, it, yeah. would, it would come to a head. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, actually, the friend introduced us there at the probate, uh-huh. and I'm gonna put my wife on blast right now. But um, <laughs> you know, I kind of shout out to Jasmine. Yeah, shout yeah, out to yeah. you. Shout out to shout out to my lady. But um, you know, I spoke to her, um, and we had like a conversation, bro. That conversation probably didn't last for a minute. Oh, wow. uh, it, was she, that, it was that quick. Yeah, like we talked. She heard one of the songs come on, and she, you know, you know, Sorry, you strolling, song, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, okay. Like in the middle of conversation, you she hear was like, "All right, all right, boy, you talking? Yeah. I got to go nah, take but care." She, <laughs> but she, but she told me she was like, um, "Like when we talked, she kind of had a feeling like," uh, and I was like, "It was like a little fluttery feeling, oh, or something wow. like that." So she got it too. But yeah, yeah, she said yeah. she so like she had that, that is feeling, amazing, and man. she yeah. like like I said, she dipped on it. So I didn't. I thought she wasn't interested. You know what I'm saying? We end up. Like kind of hanging out afterwards, or everybody together, mm-hmm. um, because they had like an after party at they wherever they were staying on campus and stuff like that. Uh, but you know, I was still trying to talk to her, still trying to you know. But she really won't give me the time of day. Um, so we had another run in at a, a party at William and Mary. One of the uh, the bros um, at the Kappa House out there, they had a party. She came through. Uh, and I was with one of my uh, close friends from childhood, mm-hmm. and she knew, like I said, they kind of all ran in the same circle, so that she knew who he was. And I was like standing on the couch. She gave him a hug, and was like about to like just go. Walk and I was like, you. yo, like you, oh, you oh, don't, man. you don't even see me right here. Oh, like, man. <laughs> she was like, oh, I didn't really know. And so I'd be messing with her all the time. I'm like, yo, well, so, you yeah, literally, you just cannot like, know him if you met him before. He's taller than everybody. That's what I'm saying, bro. It's like he, he does not fit in with the with the crowd. So, so and he was standing yeah, on the couch. Yeah, yeah. On the couch. So she so tries, he about ten feet at right, this point. Right. Exactly. So she tries to give this story like like I said, group me was big back then. So oh, she, group me, yeah. So yeah, she yeah, knew that I um she knew that I crossed at Virginia State because mm-hmm. we were all in the chat together. But she saw me at William and Mary, so she was like, "I thought you were two different people," and I'm like. You knew I was the same person, but whatever. So anyways, like we chopped it up a little bit. You know, I ended up asking for a number. Um, and yeah, um, I sh- we talked for like a month and I asked her like this was back when I don't even know if people still do it now. I asked people to be their girlfriends, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
I don't know if they still do that or not. Now. I don't think I don't so. I guess if I you fly love. somebody out, well, I guess y'all just. I guess I guess you're dating right. It's like back in my day, we used to slip the note. Hey, look, give me the note. Girlfriend, no, two boxes, right? Yes, or maybe it's three. Yes, no. I'm considering it. Right? I'm considering it. Maybe, maybe, but yeah. So, like I said, this was like the time where, um, like I got. Close, you know, grew in my spirituality. I actually mm-hmm. got a job offer up in Maryland mm-hmm. um, to work. So I actually cut um, grad school off short. Mm. Um, I I remember telling them that I wasn't coming back the next year. They're like, are you sure you want to go? You you know, like you said, a lot of people think for themselves and what they want to get. So exactly. Um, I think my offer was like 48 grand or something like that. But mm-hmm. to me, I'm like, all right, this is a job. You know, um, yeah. this is kind of like the realm that I want to go into because it was with the government. Yeah. Um, and they were sitting there like, you know, usually people that graduate um, hit, um, you know, their offers are 70 K. Uh-huh. And I'm like, yeah, but that's not fitting. You know, I, I prayed on it and so on and so forth. But yeah, I asked jazz out right before. I moved up like the day that I was moving. Mm-hmm. That's when I asked you kind of like you want to be official type. So, okay. And so you guys are about a month in right now. You guys are texting, communicating. Yeah. Have you yeah, got on yeah. dates and stuff like that. Yeah. Too? Yeah. We went on a few dates. Okay. Um, she actually was refereeing at the time. Uh huh. Um, so when she was refereeing, I actually went up to one of her games to see her ref. Okay. At VCU. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, so that was actually our first date. Was me going up going to see her referee again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know what I'm saying? Hey, uh, look, man, we apologize for the technical. Difficulties. Oh, no, it's okay. <laughs> Listen, man, we in, we caught up in the moment. Yeah, uh, we do yeah, a lot, yeah. man. We, we are an independent uh, studio here. <laughs> yeah, that's facts. Like just, just like an indie, like an indie artist, right? <laughs> All right, so so you so you guys you guys date? Well, you guys. Are talking for about a month, you say, "Listen, hey, mm-hmm. make right, it official. Let's make it official." Mm-hmm. And I move away. You move away. Yeah, that's when I mm-hmm. went to Maryland. Go to Maryland. Okay. So honestly, she was still in school, going into her senior year. Uh-huh. Um, so I was up in Maryland. She was doing her last year of school. Um, so honestly, we had a long distance relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, even starting off our relationship. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so you know, it was navigating through that. Um, you know, the ups and downs, the ebbs and flows of a long. Not even just a relationship, but you know, a long distance relationship. Yep. I'm 23, she 21. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, so you can only imagine the immaturity in the relationship right there. That's right. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so we ended up um, dating. You know what I'm saying? We dated for, I think, like two years. We started dating in 20, I want to say 2015. I don't know. It's been so long now. But, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But we ended up getting engaged. It get like that, bro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We uh, ended up yeah. getting engaged um, in 2018. Um, got married in 2019. Yep, I remember that. Yep, right before COVID, actually. Actually, I was wearing this jacket at, at his wedding. <laughs> Seriously? I was wearing the same jacket at his wedding. <laughs> you walked in late, too. Full I came in late. Oh, yeah, I came, I came in late. late. We was about to walk down the aisle. I came in late. <laughs> Here come this man. Running through the door. <laughs> hey, look! You're like, bro, I'm, I'm, I made it, bro. I'm here. Man, I, at, I, I remember I looked at the uh, the wedding coordinator. I was like, yo, keep him outside. Like, what are you? What are you doing right now? Because it was literally, I think, right before. It was right before. Yeah, Seriously, like yeah. they started playing the music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the first person you see is this Negro, and I'm like, this is not his wedding day. <laughs> I know, people, I know people turned around. I like, was wearing this jacket, man. 
And I apologize. Hey, look, he was flies on the look. Yeah. I had to drive from North Carolina, man, to get there because I was yeah. in school at that point. Oh, right. But yeah, I've still, yeah. but still, so I should have been on time. They probably so, thought you were a ring bearer or something. <laughs> oh, no, the flower boy. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah. right, so you, so you guys get married 2019. Mm-hmm. And so after that, you guys bring a child into this world. Yes. yes. Oh, nice, man. Yeah. yeah. Blessings. Uh, my baby girl, Kinsley, she was born in 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was considered a, I guess, COVID baby at the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that was both of our first child. Uh, and, you know, even going through that was, you know, kind of tough because that was the time period where, you know, the spouse or the significant other wasn't allowed in the room of like the seriously yeah, yeah when, I when think, delivery was, when, yeah but could you go into the uh, room yeah, when she was delivering yeah, the job yeah, yeah. You could so do they, that? they okay. had like just lifted it at that time like right but as far as like the, the doctor's the appointments, appointments the sonograms yeah, the and all that you couldn't the, be there the only thing that i was able to go to were the uh sonograms okay okay yeah, okay, yeah. so i think you know that's probably like three appointments or yeah, so like that yeah. so but everything else the checkups and all that she wouldn't be there yeah bro i ain't gonna hold you bro that's an exciting time I know. To find out what it is that I you know. actually happened, bro. Yeah. Like, I literally had to, I did it five times. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> I literally had to listen to the heartbeat. Uh, my wife had to record it. Yeah. You know, oh, while she was in there. And like, but I drove her to all the appointments. But yeah, I was yeah. just sitting out in the car waiting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, so that's she tough. had to record it. And then that's to rough, man. To yeah, that's home, tough. It was still a blessing, nevertheless, you know. Um, yeah. Just bringing a child, especially a healthy child, into the world. Most definitely, yeah. Is a blessing on its own. So. Yeah, so we had our baby girl, Kinsley. Um, we thought it was going to be a boy, but I fi- we found out now that the um, MR, oh, not the MRI, the, um, the sonogram. Sonogram. sonogram technician, okay. I guess she was she was fooling with us because she slipped up and said he twice. So we was like, oh, she said he. Like, so wait, 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 wait. Remember, so she was playing. Yeah, I, I remember. Yeah, so you remember, <laughs> the, you remember the, um, the, uh, what we had a gender reveal at the crib. That's right. Yeah, I was there so for that. Yeah, the, I was there for the that. Jumps. Um, we did it, but we thought it was a boy. Like, I was like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 I was there. Sure. Wow. So we, so we go, I was, I was there. We're going for in it, strong, man. like confident, like, oh, it's yeah, a boy. We got a boy, like, got like this. Because you remember, we actually like bought some, like, some ones. Yep. They were like blue and white, but that's like, right. Baby come yeah. in, we're that's like, right. Oh, yeah. That's they, wild. They, they had the Jordans. They had the, they had the Jordan ones, ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, bro, bro, that's rough. Yeah, so we that's like rough. 90% sure, like, oh, it's a boy. Because the day before, I mean, um, Jazz's best friend, you know, she was in charge of doing the lights and stuff like that. But um, the day before, like, when we went there, the, the technician was like, he. And she said he twice, and then she Everybody, was like, yeah. she was like, and then she was like, um, y'all want to know the gender? We was like, no. Nah. And then she was like, well, like, because if you see it, she's like, you can see it. She was like, y'all really don't know what it is. She was like, you can't see. And so we like, yo, I'm missing something. Like yeah. I thought, I thought mm-hmm. it was, you know, um, mm-hmm. his, his private area or whatever like that. I'm like, okay, well, I know. She said he twice. She yeah. talking about we can't see because it's supposed to be right there. I'm like, yeah. all right, bet. Yeah, yeah. You just saw he had a little man. <laughs> man, we did the did the little smoke yeah, jump. That's right. I'm like, yeah, blue. <laughs> that's why my face. That was like the, my perfect reaction. Yeah, yeah. We did the jump. That jump pink. I was like, oh, right. My wife threw the jump. Like, nah. She was mad. <laughs> yeah, she cried the whole day. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> She cried. Oh man! We, we, it's I not mean, good. It's, it's not good for her, but it's good for you. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she she cried the whole yeah. day. She was upset, and I was like, dang, but yeah. She got over that quick. The next day, she was mm-hmm. in Old Navy shopping for clothes. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's well, right. Well, hey, look, man. They say daddy's girls, mommy oh, boys yeah, for yeah, a reason, yeah, man. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, that's my right. that's my pride yeah. and joy. But, yeah, she's two now. Um, so, you know, kind of like you said, um, coming from my upbringing, you know, mm-hmm. um, going through that, bringing her up, you know, it's, it's as a father, you just kind of have to figure out what works for you and works for your family. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's kind of the things that you navigate as a father. Um, you know, what's best for her, um, you know, what's best for you and your wife. Um, just kind of giving her that ability to roam and learn um, and things of that nature, you know, and, and just being present. You know, we have a, a misconception that, you know, Fathers, especially black dads, aren't there for their children. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just being able to, you know, be a, a statistic outside of that realm there and you show, you know, yeah. and be yeah. able to shine light that fathers are here. You know, fathers are holding it down, you know, like mm-hmm. we doing hair, we doing, you know, we, we picking out clothes, we doing this, that, and the third, um, you know, she can go off to work and she can stay at the crib with me. Mm-hmm. It's not like, uh, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. the roles are, you know, intertwined nowadays. Um, so just kind of being like a living testament of that and just yep. kind of seeing how our daughter grows each and every day and how she picks up off the stuff that we do, you know, and, um, and just kind of just like watching us. It's a blessing, man. I can't that is, that is a blessing. Yeah. So, I mean, God, listen, we have, I mean, three, Three great fathers here. Yeah. Two on camera. One's behind the camera. He's over here in the corner. Yeah. He's in the corner. Shout out Pastor. Uh, Pastor, Pastor Garrison still in the building. In the building. Yeah, dope yeah. interview too. Yeah. yeah. Interview. Man. So, all right, Kev. We've talked about you being a man of faith, a man of family, a husband, a father. I want to talk about Kevin, the entrepreneur. Right. right. And you have the debt-free club. Mm-hmm. And, you know, take us. Take us through what that actually is and tell us what gave you the confidence to actually put yourself out here and become an entrepreneur. Yeah, man. So uh, the Debt Free Club is a financial service that um, I started with the help of my wife. Um, actually, my father-in-law is a financial advisor mm. uh, for over 30 years, a black financial advisor in Richmond, um, A.W. Smith Financial Group. So he mm-hmm. owns his own firm. Um, it's not like, you know. He's uh, not Northwestern or something like that. He actually yeah. owns his own yeah. firm. So AW Financial, AW Smith Financial, AW Smith Financial, Group. Um, yeah, okay. based in Richmond, Virginia. So you know, just being around him since me and Jazz started dating, you know, I w- always had a knack for finances. I actually had a mi- I got a minor in finance when mm. I was in school. Okay, um, and I thought, you know, coming out of school, I actually thought I wanted to be a financial advisor. Yeah, uh, until they told you told me that you had to do. This was back when you had. To, it's, it is a selling business, but it was like you had to go around knocking on doors. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh, man, I'm like okay. yeah. I'm like, okay. I'm, I'm it's not a different knocking. level of sales. Yeah, man. yeah. It's, it's a like, different yeah. level, yeah. I'm like, I'm yeah. not knocking on nobody's doors. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so just being around him, you know, um, seeing kind of the, the ins and outs and, you know, soaking up that knowledge and, you know, um, him looking over my finances before we got married. And then mm, when we mm. got married, he's our financial coach. So, you know, pointing us in the right direction. Um I've always enjoyed, like I said, finances. I always enjoyed helping people. 
Um, and so just to be able to create the debt free club to not only help people, but also um, highlight, you know, financial literacy within the black community. Yeah. Um, you know, debt is a stigma that is, you know, hurting us day in and day out. Mm-hmm. It's what's causing us to have such a great generational wealth gap once we're gone. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's my main focus in closing that generational wealth gap. So that's why I created the debt free club, um, over the past four years, me and my wife have been, you know, blessed and fortunate enough to eliminate $40,000 and more in debt, um, by, you know, various, um, strategies and, um, debt plans and so on and so forth. So, you know, just getting that feeling of doing that, um, and then creating the debt-free club, you know, with the knowledge that I've and experience that I've obtained, but also having my father-in-law as a mentor, being able to, you know, help others and eliminating their debt. That's just, you know, that was kind of like a passion. And when I started it, you know, it, it just clicked. Yeah. Um, that was like something I was like, yeah, this is this is it. Like, I, I want our people to do better. I mean, personally, it, it burns me up when I see... Um, you know, black people or even anyone pass away. And then the first thing we do is turn to GoFundMe, mm. you know? So my yeah. main yeah. thing was yeah. the first thing I did uh, before I started the debt-free club was to get my life insurance license. Uh-huh. Mm. Um, so of course, you know, um, there's money that goes into it, but my main thing was we need to start creating this uh, generational wealth yeah. for those that come after us. We shouldn't be going out here asking people for money to help us bury our loved ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're grieving enough, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, real quick, can you explain the difference between uh term life and mm-hmm. whole life? Because yeah. whole life is something that uh, a lot of our people really don't know about. It's something that you can kind of pull money mm-hmm. out of, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And, and term life is something that where it's, can you pull money out of term life? Or no, is it just no, something no. that's yeah, so totally at the end of the day, there's uh two types of insurance. There's yeah. uh term and then there's permanent. And yeah. it sounds exactly like what it is. Term is gonna cover you for a term, uh yeah. you know, twenty year, ten year, thirty year term. Once that insurance is up, it you it's gonna the price of it is gonna go up. Term is usually mm-hmm. cheaper and more affordable. Um and then you have permanent insurance. Um, there's different, you know, entities of permanent insurance, but like a whole life insurance, um, that's where you can build cash value. And yeah. that lasts you until, you know, you pass away. So with the, so there was a book called the infinite banking system, right. Yeah. That I learned about. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, something that our Caucasian counterparts are able to yeah. pass down from generation to generation, which is, which is something that they actually built wealth with, right? Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. you can build up a whole life policy and then pull money from that. If you need yeah. to do like major purchases, yeah. uh, vehicles, uh, 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 if you want to pay off debt, investments, yeah, investments mm-hmm. things of that nature. So I know, uh, the biggest thing for us is trying to, dif- trying to differentiate the, the difference between bad debt and good debt. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. what it, in, in regards to bad debt, what is that considered? Yeah, so I actually want to go back to what you said about the whole life insurance. Yeah, yeah. The um the Rockefellers, that's how they kept their wealth. Hundred mm-hmm. um, percent. Yeah. The Rockefellers yep. created a whole everybody has a whole life policy, but it goes into a family trust. So yes. once one of the 
um, individuals that have family passes away, the money goes into that trust. Uh-huh. And over time and over the generations, if you needed money or for investments or so on and so forth, you were able to pull out of that mm. trust or that life policy, you know, um, and use that. I like to say you're using yourself as the bank versus yeah. going yeah. to a bank and getting a loan out. That's right. You could tap into your life insurance policy. So yeah. that's a, a great way to create generational wealth is, you know, to have these whole life policies that's establishing cash value. And of course, you know, we're all going to be gone one day if that money is going into a pot that, you know, our generations are able to pull out of, or, you know, that is creating this wealth over time, mm-hmm. you know, that's going to create that generational wealth for us. But um, to answer your question about, you know, good debt and bad debt, um, you know, I kind of toy with that back and forth. And I, I have these conversations with different people um, in the uh, financial space, because I was always taught, you know, we were taught that there's good debt and bad debt, but then some people say there's no such thing as good debt and bad debt. Mm-hmm. And then I recently saw um, uh, a clip that someone was basically saying that bad debt um, is is debt that you can't leverage. Correct. Yes. Um, so yes. good debt yep. is debt that you can leverage. That you can okay. leverage. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you know, uh, an investment, um, let's say an investment home could be seen as good debt because yeah. you can leverage that debt. The equity. Uh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Exactly. Real estate. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, bad debt would be seen as, of course, credit cards. Credit card debt. Something right. you yeah, can't pay yeah, off. Something you yeah. can't pay off. You yeah. know, you're going to buy food that you're eating up in 30 minutes. Uh-huh. And then, you know, like, um, I think I posted something a few weeks ago in regards to Christmas. You know, they said about 60% of people are paying off Christmas gifts from 2023. Two, 2022 and 2023. Wow. You know, uh, so, so these that, are like holiday loans that people get, uh, you know, credit cards, credit, credit cards. cards. Okay. It could okay. be holiday loans. Okay. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, that could be seen. That would be seen as bad debt because right. okay. there's nothing to leverage off of. That's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So you, you guys start the, the uh, debt free club, you pay off 40 K in student loans now you guys are hosting webinars. You have taken on clients or whatnot. Tell me about one of your case studies. Do you have somebody that you felt like, okay, you know what, this is someone that I'm I'm proud of helping because they were in, in a particular position, and I gave them some good advice. Yeah, I mean, um, so I've had you know multiple people that have reached out and asked for insight on how to eliminate their debt mm-hmm. um so with me just starting we haven't got anybody uh you know fully financially free mm-hmm. yet um but they're definitely on the path of on doing the path. so yeah on yeah. the path there we go so you know just creating those elimination plans for them mm-hmm. and sitting them down and mm-hmm. saying okay if you go on the route that you're going now it's going to take you 30 plus years to be out of debt. Whereas if you implement this plan, we'll get you out of debt in 12 years uh-huh. to include your home, mm. you know? So, so we're not going to mean, you mean mortgage, mortgage paid off. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, mortgage wow. paid yeah. off. Oh in, yeah. Listen, listen, this, 12 this, years this is the man right here. I'm telling, I'm telling and you, that's, and that's using the cash flow that you already have. That's yep. not us saying, go out and get a second job. Oh, wow. That's using the cash flow that you already have. Is that like a HELOC strategy? Or? Uh, no, it's, I mean, it's, it, you can leverage uh, life insurance, you know, uh, <laughs> bro, that's freaking so, amazing. Yeah. So again, it, it's all about knowledge, right? Kev, you know, it's yeah. multifaceted. There's a, a lot of different ways you yeah. can leverage these yeah, things. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. And of course, yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of people will say, you know, we have 
all of these social media gurus. And of course I'm not, you know, they say if you're the smartest person in that room, Mm -hmm. then you need to find another room. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, of course, once you go through social media or you're looking at articles and so on and so forth, you have to have a discernment to understand what's right. And what's, I I think that's the biggest thing that I have an issue with. Right. Because like, there's too much information right, out there right, right now. Right. It's oversaturated. Yeah, and it, it, sure. It's hard to figure out who's actually telling you the right, right information. Right. So I've heard about the HELOC strategy, mm-hmm. but nobody mm-hmm. can tell you how to start a HELOC. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the, the, I've heard about other things like the whole life insurance policy, the infinite banking system, but it's like, all right, well, how can I start where I am? Because there's nobody here to guide me. And that's where you come in. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So that's where, um, you know, if you're feeling stuck or you're feeling like, you know, you've been paying on this debt and it's not going anywhere or, yeah. you know, I even look at I have a close friend that, you know, they have um, a baby on the way. So it's like, OK, we're trying to free up this cash flow to go elsewhere because you don't want to be bogged down with debt when you have, you know, life going on. Yeah. Um. So that's why, like I said, from what I've seen from me and my wife and our experience and paying down our debts. And, you know, freeing up cash flow. That's what it was like, man, this is just, you know, I have to help others, you know, mm-hmm. reach this financial freedom mm-hmm. um, or, you know, at least be able to uh, free up this cash flow to help them out um, and in order to live a better life. And I mean, the biggest thing is and I understand the biggest thing is starting um, even before, you know, I got started with my father in law. We have this reservation of, you know people looking into your finances Mm -hmm. and it's, you know, it's just for anybody. It's almost taboo. Yeah. Yeah. It's for anybody. It's a, it's a a sensitive topic, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, because you feel like you're going to be judged. Um, But that's not the case at all. Um, People that are in this field, especially, you know, like myself and my father-in-law, we want to help you. Like we're not here to judge you. We want to help you get into the best situation that you can possible. So, of course, you have to, you know, look through the financial documents, but we're not sitting here saying, you know, this is the worst case that I've ever, you know, it's not that. But um, but but even if it is the worst case, right, there yeah. are still ways where you can get across that, right? But right. bro, because I'm telling you, three years ago, I was the worst case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I was able to get into this program with NACA because I okay. wanted to buy yeah, a house. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. And um, I, I will say this, man, it was a, it was a daunting task because I, I, I spent a year and a half they combed through every single thing that I did, yeah, bro. But yep. it, it allowed me to figure out how much money I was spending and how much money I was wasting. Right. 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 And when I found out how much money I was wasting, I'm like, oh, dang, I really do have money to buy a house. Yeah. I really do. Exactly. Yeah. And that's one of the things that, that I do, you know. Um, yeah. That's the main thing in regards of finding those inefficient dollars. Yeah. To mm. take that yep. and reallocate those inefficient somewhere else. dollars. Inefficient. Um, bro, that's, that's powerful, bro. Yeah. So are dollars. you familiar with like Dave Ramsey? And, yeah. Okay, okay. Yep. 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 Yeah. Um, so, you know, the debt snowball strategy. Yeah. yeah. Debt um, snowball. Yep. Snowball yeah, the, versus avalanche. Avalanche. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's our, that's our thing at the debt free club is, you know, finding out what's the best route for you because, um, you know, it's not to say you can leverage the life insurance to get out of debt, um, but you can also just be on a regular debt snowball plan. Yeah. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's looking at your situation and what you're doing um, and and making the best possible situation in regards of eliminating your debt in the you know smallest amount of time possible. All right, let me ask you this, man, because it's something that uh, I know a lot of us deal with. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? As far as us, I'm, I'm talking about black folk. 
if our bill is $200 a month and we only got $130, mm-hmm. we say, well, I ain't got $200 to pay it, so I'm going to spend $130. <laughs> I'm going to the alley. I'm going to the club. I'm about to borrow the 130 because I ain't got the money to pay anyway. Mm-hmm. What is your recommendation in regards to that? That's a great question. And uh, to start off, I would say that you do have that $200. You, you got there it. You, go. you have you got it. it. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. Like I said yeah, before, you, have you have inefficient dollars going yeah. elsewhere. Ine- I have never Ine- heard bro, of that. I've never heard it. Bro, you got to <laughs> trademark that, Kev. Inefficient dollars. I have never heard of that before. Bro, so, that is beautiful. Never bro. heard that. Yeah. So you got, you know, you yeah. have that money that's not, you know, doing anything for you. Yeah. Um. So... Is that the Starbucks money? That's the yeah, 7-Eleven money? Yeah, that's the Starbucks money. That's the, money, the that's the Dollar Tree money. money. That's the, you. Yeah. like you said, going to the grocery store. You just budget it. A lot of people do it. I budget $150 to go to the grocery store. You go to the grocery store, spend that $150, but you're stopping at Chick-fil-A on the way home. You know, that's extra money that you could be putting <laughs> elsewhere. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, uh so, like to answer your question, you do have the money. You got the. Bread. You just have to. Yeah. You have to reallocate those funds. Yeah. And you have to take care of your priorities and your bills first. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm not saying you know by any means that people aren't struggling. You know, some people actually don't have the money. Yeah. But when you can actually sit down and say, okay, well, where is my money going? You have yeah. a, a a picture of where your money is going, how you're spending your money. I mean, a lot of times, and this is the biggest thing with debt, our money is getting wrapped up into the interest. Mm, so we're uh-huh. paying down, we're paying down, we're, we're paying, paying down. extra money without a. But, without, you know, you're yeah. paying a $500 payment, payment a month on a credit card, but you have 350 of those dollars going towards interest. Mm. So one of the things that we do with the Debt Free Club, when we sit down and we show you um, your debt elimination strategy, we show you what your what your debt is, and then we show you what your true debt is. Uh-huh. And your true debt is including that interest. Because a lot of times we just see a number and we're saying, oh, well, I'm $20,000 in debt. Uh-huh. No, you're actually $45,000 in debt because of your interest rate. Yeah. So our go. goal is to pay down that interest as fast as possible so that you can free up that cash flow and that we can eliminate your debt Yeah, you know, in, in that given amount of time. Uh, let me ask you this, Kev. So I I had a scenario prior to I had a friend that had some credit card debt going mm-hmm. on and because you know I'm a real proponent of credit scores, personal finance, uh he had I think three or four credit cards and each one had several thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. So I told him, okay, let's pick the one that has uh the highest interest rate mm-hmm. and let's start there. Right now, that one didn't didn't have the highest balance. It just right. had the highest interest rate. Right. I said, let's start there and pay the minimum balance on every other credit card, mm-hmm. but pay the extra amount towards this particular credit card. Mm-hmm. Let's knock this one out, and then let's move to the next one. Right? Do you suggest any kind of variation here of this strategy? Do you say, okay, let's pick the lowest balance, snowball it, keep going, pick the highest interest rate, hit there. Or a variation? What do you suggest? No, it just all depends on the, on that situation, that scenario. And, it, yeah. you know, um, looking at his situation, that might have been the best thing for him to do is mm-hmm. to knock out that, that credit card that had the highest interest. Because, like you said, even though he's paying $100 a month, if 
50 of those dollars are going towards interest. Mm -hmm. We want to knock that out so that you can have that full 100 to put somewhere else. Right. Okay. Um, Even though, like you said, the higher balance might be over here, but you might have a 8% interest on it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So that's like, that's basically like you said, that's, it just depends um, because you could, I know even in some of the elimination plans I've put together, it will have someone paying off their mortgage before it has them paying off a student loan. Which the mortgage mm. could be 3%, 4%, yeah, 5%. But because of how yeah. the the uh, structure is put together, it's saying if we pay off this mortgage faster, it's going to open up this amount of money so that you can pay off that student oh, loan mm-hmm. way faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if we focus on the student loan that may have this interest rate that's hurting you, you're going to keep, I mean, you can see people nowadays where I know we saw a case recently. Um, it was a woman, I think she started off maybe with like 50 to $75,000 in student loan debt. Uh-huh. And now it's at one twenty five, but she's been paying on it. Mm. That interest yeah, is just accumulating. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's killing, killing you. It's yeah. killing you. So, you know, that might be a scenario. Where we were like, we just got to pay this down. You know what I'm saying? So, we can get you out of debt as fast as possible. But yeah, that's, I mean, it just depends on the scenario. It okay. So on, on it, it's always, have. yeah, yeah. Know, case There's, by case. Okay. Yeah. What they say is always, you know, multiple ways to skin a cat. There you go. Yeah, you know, that's so, right. That's right. Yeah. That's it's right. just, it's just what, what is best for you, but to also, because our thing is we want you to still have that lifestyle. A lot of times with Dave Ramsey, I know they're saying, like, you know, you have to cut off everything. Yeah, which, you know, with with Dave Ramsey, I think a lot of his, um, he has a lot of good methods, but some of his methods are unrealistic. Right. Because he doesn't believe in debt whatsoever. And in order Mm -hmm. for you to accumulate wealth, you have to have debt to leverage. Of some sort. Yeah, Yeah. he just doesn't, you know, he doesn't believe in that. Bro, the... The real estate market has produced the most millionaires out of anybody. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And in order to do that, you have to leverage debt. And that's just something he does not uh, agree with, which, you know, when I was going through and I was buying my house, his strategy worked for me. But now that I'm already in my house, I want to leverage more debt to create greater assets Mm -hmm. for myself. I can't rely on what he's saying. Right. So going to Dave Ramsey. Yeah. 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 But but you still got to be realistic. Right. So they There's still some unrealistic things that we as a culture rely on because we are the fastest one to spend a dollar. Yep. Right. Yep. So is it really important for your kid to get those Jordans? Not if you have a bill due. Yeah. You may, know? Yeah. Maybe <laughs> not. Right. Maybe not. Yeah. yeah. So That's it's right. like That's right. we have to be able to figure out how to shift the dynamic from being the flashy mm-hmm. or wanting our family to be the flashiest to actually having the wealth where I mean, bro, if you look at the the transition from Jay-Z to where he, where he started to where he is now, mm-hmm. when he started out, he had jeans yep. like crazy, yep. he had rings everywhere, yep. to now he don't even wear yep. anything as, except for a presidential oh, wow. rolling. Yeah, yeah and, cra- like, and crazy hair. Yeah, crazy hair. <laughs> 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 he got the Basquiat going on, right? Yeah, but, that's right. But that's it's right. the picture of wealth that we had in the black community, right? And yeah. it, you know, there, there was somebody who, uh, I think we were kind of hitting on this last podcast where... The only thing they have is to showcase the fact that they do have Jordan. Well, right? the, these chains are still chains, right? Metaphorically, chain. right? Yeah. And that's a different conversation. Yeah, but, yeah. You know? that's what, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what I was going to say. I was going to uh-huh. say that a lot of times, you know, um, us being the flashiest, it, it dates way, way back, way mm-hmm. before yeah. us, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That dates back to, you know, slavery. That's yeah. right. Um, it goes all so the way back that, there. Yeah. That, that is, has been embedded in us, you know, for over 400 years that mm-hmm. – 
we have to show we have it. Yeah. But that was a trick that they put in our minds to make us think that you have to show you have it where they're concealing it. Correct. And, yeah. and they actually like said, got it. Like you said, you can like, I, I remember it was a meme or something, or um, there's actually a, a Netflix um, special where they were talking about like black people in fashion. Mm-hmm. And they were basically talking about, you know, where did the Gucci print or, you know, why did we have to be so flashy? And they went back to saying, you know, how, this was just to make it seem as if you had more or if you were doing better, yeah. you had these garments on. That's yeah. right. Um, yeah. But I remember, like I said, I was saying it was a meme that I saw that was basically saying, you know, uh, a white person can have millions and have on, you know, the basic clothes and Steve sneakers. Jobs. Yeah. Levi's, but turtlenecks, and a new black bags. person can have negative net worth, but yeah. you're going to see them in yeah. the Gucci's and the Fendi's yeah. Yeah. and Louis yeah. Vuitton and so on and so forth. Yeah. yeah. It's an ongoing battle. It is. You know, that I think that we're facing still in uh, it's society too today. It's peacocking. Is that, yeah. It, yeah. It, 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 is, peacocking. it is peacocking. Yeah. That's yeah. the perfect yeah. metaphor yeah. for it. It's certainly peacocking. And, you know, it's an ongoing thing. But luckily, I think we're waking up to the reality of yeah. what it is. And mm-hmm. it's more important. Like you said, Kevin, to focus in on what actually matters, right? Right. And what matters is, okay, do you have something to pass on to your family once you're gone? Exactly. So the crazy part is I'm starting to see a shift happen where we're moving away from a lot of materialistic things and we're going back to naturalistic things, right? Let's let's go back to it. Let's go back to it. Things of that nature, right? So like- you know, all the stuff that we thought, I think the co I think COVID really had a, a huge impact on that because no matter how much Gucci you had, no matter how much Louis you had, no matter how much Versace you had, if you didn't have Telepaper, <laughs> you could, right, you could like, 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 like that was the most valuable commodity, right? It was the most you valuable. You had toilet paper or yeah. paper towels, like, oh, you yeah. got all this stuff and you sitting at the house. Can yeah. nobody see you wearing this? Nobody can see you. And like, right? yeah. you know, the, yeah. the the fact that we had the the issues with the grocery stores and mm-hmm. people losing, you know, um, ability to eat and stuff like that. So it's like now the shift is moving. So I, I saw it through social media. I was following all those things, all mm-hmm. those trends. Right. And now all the only thing that's popping up on my page is solar panels or hydroponics, aquaponics, farming, things like, yeah, like normal yeah. things that we were writ. You know, number of things we were with maybe a hundred to twenty years ago. Yeah, that's so. That's you know, it's glad to hear. But like to yeah. go back to what you said, you know, everything is so oversaturated now. You know, it is. As, yeah, as my mentor tells me, you know, even in in the business that you know I'm doing, you have to find a way to to stick out. You know, yeah, you all doing podcasts. You have to find. Mm-hmm. We all know the podcast environment it's oversaturated. is oversaturated. Yeah. So oh, certainly, you have to do certainly. something that sticks out. Um. But at the same time, you have to stay true to who you are. Absolutely. Um, and, and and stay grounded because a lot of people out here, they're beginning these things or they're doing these things to get money, yeah. to get overnight success, mm-hmm. to go viral. Yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. um, when you have a bigger passion and bigger purpose behind what you're doing it for, you know, that's when you start to see the reward that yeah. comes with it. Yeah, I'm I'm not willing to compromise our content for clicks. <laughs> that's a fact. Right. I'm I'm just I'm not gonna do that's it. That's a fact. I'm yeah, just yeah, I'm bro. just not gonna do it, right? And so yeah, I think our goal is to again when we speak about making men more effective, exceptional, and extraordinary, like I, I truly mean that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think it's so it's so important to put the onus on men going forward because if we are better, then society is better. 
So right, I, I am not going to compromise the content. Lamont, I know you're not going to yeah, either. No, most definitely. Just for the sake of clicks. Right. So so I think I think the reason why the, the content has been compromised over the last 30, 40, 50 years is because men who have not had the opportunity to get access to women will conform to what the women want in order mm-hmm. to get access to the women. Right. Yeah. And it's like that that's created a society of weak men. And we have to be in a position to where we take that power back. We got to fight back, man. We got to fight you know, back. You know, we, yeah. we have to fight back. The men that which are capable, you, we have to fight back. Which means you have to be willing to lose. That's right. In order to, to, to get the greater good, right? And that's and, okay. You know, that's, that's okay. okay. Yeah, it is. All right, Kev, man, listen, I, I want to keep you here. I can't keep you here. We've been talking <laughs> hey, for man, a while. It's been a good conversation. <laughs> it has, bro. You got to get home to, to your wife and to your child. Uh, can you tell people where they can find you on social media? Yeah. Yeah, so um, you can we can be found at k dot wigs w i i g g s that and on Facebook same way. Um, we also have um, wearing mad society that we can tap into that another day, but that's mom and dad's um, society. Oh wow! Um, so you know we have merchandise for you know dads are dope, moms are dope. You know, Love um, bigging up. You know the parenthood aspect of that, mm-hmm. um, and that can be found at madsociety dot com. And then we have merch for millennial millionaires mm-hmm. um, on that mm-hmm. same website. Um, but yeah, um, if you need anything in regards to debt elimination, uh, feel free to reach out to me. Shoot me a DM. Um, yeah, we can we can get you set up. Listen, guys, finance is one of the six pillars here that we speak about, it and it may be one of the it may be the most important pillar. Yeah. Without finance, you cannot actually become a man that can take care of your family, and that is so so important. I think to moving forward. So yeah. I encourage everyone out there if you have a problem, not even just a problem. If you want just some advice on personal yeah. finance, please reach out to my brother right here, to my right on the camera, maybe to your left, <laughs> Kevin Wiggins. The CEO of the Debt Free Club, he is the man to talk to about whether it's life insurance, uh, student loan debt, whatever your whatever your question is, reach out to him because it's very very important. And don't be embarrassed about it, right? Like, right. do not yeah. be embarrassed about yeah. personal finance. Listen, most of us were not taught in school yeah. how to go about becoming someone that is on top of your finances, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So reach out to him, talk to him, ask him questions. He is available. He always responds yep. yeah. and he has an answer to your questions. If not, he'll ask somebody else and they'll give you an answer. Yeah. That's a fact. Right? Hey, look, man, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel, right? No, so, we're not. <laughs> no, 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 we're, we're yeah. not. The, just, and, just bringing value. Just but, bringing but, value. But the best thing is to hit your wagon to somebody who has already done it before. That's right. 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 And he and, has paid down yes. over $40,000 yes. in debt. He and his wife. Who better to talk to about yeah. that, right? But also the, the the generations before us, right? So we talk about generational wealth. This is what they did to build generational wealth. That's right, right. That's right? right. And it's something that you know we we were not privy to. This is the information that we were not privy to. This is something mm-hmm. that I just learned maybe a couple of years ago. My mother she learned a couple of years ago, but this is something that they've known for years, right? Yeah, for right. years. And this is how yeah. they were able to build companies that we we recognize right. Coca-Cola, yeah. right. Pepsi, what this is how they did it. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. We so, close that wealth gap. That's how we close the wealth we close gap. The gap yeah. Right. This and uh, and also the Debt Free Club, they offer webinars. Yep. They yep. offer uh, private coaching calls one on one. If you need to reach out to Kevin, talk to him guys, tap yep. in with him. He is a wealth of knowledge. He's a well of knowledge, right? Yeah. 
All right, y'all. So that wraps up another hey, episode look. of the Born Mogus Podcast. <laughs> hey, we hold talked on, hold about on. before we go though. Go I just want to give you all your flowers, man. Y'all got yeah. a great platform going on Appreciate right here. It, yeah. Thank you, bro. Um, so you know, keep going, keep doing what you're doing. Stay true to who you are. I appreciate yeah. y'all having me today. Bro, thank Most you for driving yeah. an hour yeah. and forty minutes to be here, hey, man. This we appreciate this you, bro. is a drive that I would take multiple times, fellas. Thank um, you, bro. So, yeah. Thank you. I cannot wait to have you back again. Yeah, most definitely, definitely. We're gonna have to do this again. We got to. We got, I think, at least two more, maybe more than that. We got more. Hey, matter of fact, matter of fact, let's get you on a webinar, man. Let's yeah, let's most definitely. Let's oh, yeah, let's, let's do it. it. Let's, let's do it. Yeah. you got one coming up too, right? Yeah, 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 look, yeah, man. yeah we got two webinars. We need to get him involved with Bomogs University. Yes, he can be the financial <laughs> teacher, yes. right? Yeah, I'm man, telling you, I'm telling you, man. Like, you. Yeah, we, we absolutely. It. We with yeah. it. Yeah, let's get Bro, it. thank you for being here, man. You know, I love you. I can't say I love you like a brother because you already are my brother right. for the last yeah, 10 right. years. So I love you I love like you a brother. Like, <laughs> I love you like I already we loved you beforehand. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys. Listen, if this was any value, please share it with somebody. Most like, definitely. subscribe, follow. And most importantly, follow follow Kevin Wiggins on Instagram, yep. on social media. Reach out to him. And, guys, we will see you all next time on the Born Mogus Podcast. Take Born it easy, Mogus you all. Signing out. Signing out, guys. Take it easy.